Welcome to the weekly sermon at Generations Church. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Melissa Hale. together. Lord, we worship you and you are worthy of worship. We have come into this house to praise you, to know more of you, and to receive more of you. So Holy Spirit, today have your way. Lord, use this message to speak your truth and your power and your love to every heart in this place and watching online. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Uh, quick announcement from Scott Brady Hale. Uh, there is a guest reception right after church. So it's fabulous and you want to go. And our own Neely Harridge is in charge of it. She'd love to meet you. If you're new or new-ish, or you just want to hang out and meet some people, go to the guest reception right after church. It'll be awesome. Okay, if you could get in a time machine and go back to 2,000 years ago, and witness one of the miracles of Jesus, which one would you want to see? Yeah. There was a lot. Which one? You can only have one. Somebody shout one out to me that would like just blow your mind if you could see it. Hold on, everybody. We'll start over here. Somebody. Lazarus. Jerry's daughter. Yes. Who over here? Yes. Healing the blind man. The widow's son. The widow's son. That was the funeral procession. And he just walked over and boom. Kid's not dead anymore. Anybody else? Yes. The resurrection. Well, you just, you just trumped them all. The greatest miracle of all time, the resurrection. I mean, water into wine, calming a storm. That would be a cool one to see. The loaves and the fish. And that didn't just happen one time. He fed, he fed a crowd on multiple occasions. Man, the issue of blood. The issue of blood. The blind man. I mean, these are the leper. Would you agree there, there's a lot? There is a lot. Would you agree that Jesus is amazing? Jesus is amazing. Would you agree he has done marvelous things? He has done marvelous things. And Jesus demonstrates to us what love looks like. And Jesus teaches us to believe in him. And he challenges us to be like him. That's the hard part, <laughs> the challenging us to be like him. And, uh, you know, he really expects us to be like him, and he really lays down the gauntlet in a verse that we're about to read. And this verse is John 14, 12. Listen to what Jesus says here. Very truly, I tell you. That means, you know how everything I say is true? Well, very truly is this, so lean in because this is extra true. Listen to what he says. Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. 
Wait, what? Right? Jesus, what are you saying? Jesus, what are you saying right here? That believers will do the kinds of works you did because you opened blind eyes and raised the dead. You're saying those kinds of things? And then you have the chutzpah to say, and greater things? What is greater? What is greater? You know, a verse like that can really make you panic for a second, can it? Does it make you like, oh, what is it? Greater, even greater things. He could have just said, you know, try your best. He said, very truly, I tell you, believers will do what I did and even greater things. Even greater things. So let's all just realize right now, it does not mean greater than Jesus. That's not what it means. Because we cannot match him, much less surpass him, right? So this does not mean we're going to do more extraordinary or more impressive things than Jesus did because it doesn't get greater than Jesus. So take that pressure off yourself, okay? Everybody breathe in a sigh of relief? Oh, whew, good, okay. Greater is not better than Jesus. Greater is not more than Jesus. In fact, there is no such thing as more than Jesus because Jesus is more than enough. Amen. Jesus is more than enough. Now, Jesus said a few verses above this. Jesus says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So Jesus is God with us, right? Emmanuel. God with us. And I want you to follow the greatness of Jesus here with this kind of mind-bending paradox, okay? God, who is limitless in power and majesty and glory, does something counterintuitive to human nature, and he lays down that power and comes to earth as a human, as a human, right? Jesus is God with us. Whoever has seen Jesus has seen the Father. And God places self-imposed limits on himself, culminating in his death, in which he pays the price for our sin and shame, and Jesus exchanged his glory and power for our sin. And that's how a God who cannot die chose to die. Self-imposed limits, laying down his power, exchanging it for, for us exchanging it for our life. And then, in the greatest single event in human history, which was already mentioned, the resurrection, he conquers death, hell, and the grave for all time, offers us redemption and restoration and eternal life that doesn't begin when we die. It begins right now. Right. Eternal life begins now. So do we agree there is no one greater than Jesus? Amen. Right. There is no one greater. No one can do greater things than he has done so armed with this knowledge, let's read this verse again along with verse 13. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than me, because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask 
in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Amen. Wow. Here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I'm one human being, I'm one person, but there's a lot of you. There is a lot of you. And I'm going to go to the Father, and I'm not going to be walking around with you anymore. But when I go, you get to be my body here on the earth. You get to be my body. You get to be my hands and feet. And I know that you are humans and completely incapable and unable to do the things that I did. So you know what? I'm going to help you with that. Jesus says he's going to help us. So in verse 15, he says this, If you love me and keep my commandments, I will ask the Father. He will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. The Holy Spirit of God, the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit of God, gifted to us. He lives with you and will be what? In you. you. So if you remember at baptism, the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus like a dove, right? Do you remember that moment? And that is the exact time that Jesus went from the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world but is mainly known for carpentry in Nazareth to the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world and is known for signs and miracles and wonders that happen everywhere he goes, right? In fact, the book of John records that Jesus did so many amazing works, no book could contain them all. Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit of God. It's his spirit. It was unleashed on him in his limited human body, right? And then that spirit poured out of him in amazing and extraordinary ways. So Jesus going to the Father and sending us his spirit is a game changer. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, this is extraordinary. Here's his final words to us before ascending into heaven. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And we already know this is true because we're pretty far from those places, and who do we serve? Who do we know? Right? The King of kings and the Lord of lords. So the Holy Spirit of God, the same power that raised Christ from the dead, The same power that raised Christ from the dead is the power within all believers. Just let that sink in for a second. So we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and God is working through you and through me. It's 1 Corinthians 6. This is Romans 8. And we are the body of Christ on this earth, and the scope with which we can bring the transformative power of the love of God to this world is greater. It's greater. The Holy Spirit in you and me 
exponentially impacting the world around us is greater. Jesus said, very truly I tell you, I know it doesn't sound like it's going to be true, but I promise you it's true. Whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Greater isn't more than Jesus. Greater is more of Jesus. It's more of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit within us. The power of the Holy Spirit within us brings this world more of Jesus. Who wants to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to bring more Jesus to those around you? Who wants that? Who wants even more than what they have right now? Man, amen, I sure do. Now, this requires faith. This requires faith in God and what he can do. And for many of us, it's one thing to know God is able to do far more abundantly than we could ever ask or think. Ephesians 3. And it's another thing to believe that God will do far more abundantly than what we could ask or think, right? Because knowing something, understanding something, that's knowledge. But believing it to be true is faith. That's what faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Here's a faith fact for you. All believers have been given a measure of faith. Every believer has been given a measure of faith. Romans 10, 17. Romans 12 and 3. Ephesians 2, 8. We can't go there. There's no time. But that's for you diligent note takers that need to write these things down. Now, arguably, we have been given the same measure of faith. And it's a gift from God. You didn't earn it. You can't like say, "Mm, look at my faith. Mm -mm. It's a gift. And we've been given the same measure of faith. Would you like to know another faith fact? Mustard seed-sized faith can move a mountain. And at a minimum, I think if God's going to pass out faith to everybody, I think he's at minimum giving us mustard seed-sized faith. You can move a mountain. And you can move a mountain, and you can move a mountain, and everybody moves a mountain, right? But are we moving mountains, literally and figuratively? Some of you have seen mountains move. Raise your hand if you've seen a mountain move. That's good. Some of you are waiting for a mountain to move. Raise your hand if you're waiting for a mountain to move. It's the same number. (laughs) Same number. Some of you are nowhere near the mountains. You're not in that time of your life. And others of you are under a mountain, completely buried under a mountain. (laughs) Mustard seed faith is in you. But having a gift and using a gift are two different things. Those are two very different things. So I want to use the gift within me. I just want to have a gift. I want to use a gift. How do I use this gift of faith? How do we believe for doing the even greater things that Jesus promised? Well, friends, today is your lucky day. You want to walk in the greater things of John 14, 12? Then step right up, folks, because I have traveled the world and discovered the five secret steps to miracle-working faith that will get you exactly what you pray for, 
every single time, without fail, 110% guarantee. Are you ready, folks? Yes. Are you ready, folks? This is what you came for. Get your pen out, get your paper out, because here are the five secret steps to miracle working faith never fails. Number one, there. Number two, are. Number three, no. Four, secret, five steps. Friends, do you know formulas and ritualistic checklists are the kind of religious stuff that gets people obsessed with the gift more than the gift giver? There are no secret steps. But still, we can go, oh, if I just do these 37 things right, if I just memorize these 12 verses and say them eight times a day, if I just pay $200 to see this faith guru, if I just get that person and go to this place to get those hands laid on me, if I read these four healing books, if I deny my reality and completely disregard my circumstances, then my faith will be so impressive that nothing can stop my faith. And when we have faith in our faith instead of faith in God, Things don't turn out well. Faith is a beautiful and a powerful gift, but it makes a lousy idol. So, is there anything wrong with reading a book on healing? No. Is there anything wrong with memorizing scripture? I hope you're memorizing scripture. I hope. I hope that you're reading books and memorizing scripture and I hope that you're finding people who know things about faith and you're listening and you're learning and those things should encourage you, equip you, inspire you, and help you, but those things are not our source. They're not our source. I appreciate so much growing up in a charismatic, word of faith church that never idolized faith but instead worship the author and perfecter of our faith, right? I appreciate pastors who never once tried to sell faith as a formula or a checklist because they knew Jesus paid the price for everything and it's not something we can earn and purchase for ourselves. I was raised on faith, but I was raised on the the right kind of faith. And if I may, Pastor Albert, I'm gonna channel you for a second when I say there are no secret steps but there is a secret place he that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty and I will say of the Lord he is my refuge and my fortress my God in him I will trust what is trust trust is faith friends there is no secret Steps, but there is a secret place. Amen. And that place is in the presence of God because the Lord is our source. God is our source. He is our refuge and strength. He is our very present help in times of trouble. And guess what? That means sometimes there's trouble. 
Sometimes there's trouble. And you know what God says? God says, don't deny your reality or disregard your circumstances. Let me be with you in them and see you through them. Because I'm your rock and I am your fortress and I will be your victory. Amen? Amen. Amen. So the secret place is not a location. It's an awareness. It's an awareness of the presence of God that is with us all the time. Right? But it's our awareness of that presence. And when we become aware, that's what leads to times of worshiping him. And that's what leads to when we want to dwell and sit still and be still in those places of, of encounter with the Lord. And we want to dwell in his presence. It's when we set aside our agenda for his agenda. Right? That's what we're doing this morning, gathering together. Setting aside our agenda for his agenda. It's when we listen to his voice It's when we read his words. It's when we yield to his spirit. That's the secret places of God. And the more time you spend with him, the better you know him. And the better you know him, the more you can trust him. And the more you trust him, the more your faith begins to have greater expectations in him. Let's look at Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, all my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name, praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins, heals all your diseases, redeems your life from the pit, crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He has made known his way to Moses. He has deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love, forgives sins, heals disease, redeems your life, renews your youth. Is this the God you serve? That's my king, right? This is our God. But what do you really expect from God? What do you really expect from God? What are you trusting God with and what are you afraid that God can't do? What do you think he's actually capable of doing? You see, our expectations of God grow as we remove our limits and restrictions off of him. So I want you to ask yourself, How am I limiting the move of God in me? I'll wait. How am I limiting the move of God in me? Now, somebody out there might be thinking, Melissa, we we can't limit God. He can do anything. Are you kidding me? Have you looked around this planet? One can limit the move of God within themselves. A person can absolutely limit what God does through them. God is love, and love is not a show of force, love is a show of honor. God offers us things. He offers us gifts. He 
offers us opportunity, and we can receive them or refuse them. That's what, that's what our part is. So God does not push you around. He doesn't make you do anything. He loves you too much. And the Holy Spirit does not possess you. The Holy Spirit partners with you. Amen. The Holy Spirit wants to partner with you. And you choosing to partner with the Holy Spirit is how you release your faith. And faith activates in partnership with the Holy Spirit of God. God wants to do greater things in you. And God wants to do greater things through you to reveal his love to this world. He wants to do greater things to reach the lost. He wants to do greater things to heal the broken. He wants to do greater things to set captives free. He wants to do greater things to bring hope and restoration. The Holy Spirit partners with us to do all kinds of things that reveal the kingdom of God. All kinds of things, like uh, leading us to pray for someone, or leading us to witness to someone, or helping us wanting to give to people and encourage people and serve people. When we demonstrate patience and kindness, that is the Holy Spirit partnering with us to do things we're unable to do ourselves. And these are things every single believer should be doing. Every single believer should be doing these things. But Jesus did more than teach and pray and encourage and serve. Jesus did those things, but he did extraordinary things like miracles. Everybody say miracle. Do you know why he did miracles? Peter says in Acts 2 that Jesus was accredited by God to them by miracles, wonders, and signs. See, the miracles, wonders, and signs testified that Jesus was indeed who he said he was, which was the Son of God. But that's the reason people needed. Jesus has another reason. In Mark 1, now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him, saying to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And he strictly warned him and sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing. Jesus was always saying that, right? Like his big reason is everybody to know. He's always saying, shh, don't tell anybody. And do people ever obey him? No. They always go and they tell everybody. Jesus moved with what? Jesus was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion in the face of disease, in the face of hunger, and in the face of death. Because God is love and love intervenes. God is love, and love intervenes. Love intervenes when there is suffering. Jesus came to end suffering. Yes, yes, Jesus came to give us eternal life. He came to end suffering. For this purpose was the Son of God manifest to destroy the work of the evil one. And you know what miracles are? Miracles are love's inexplicable interventions. You can't explain them. You can't find a reasonable why. They're inexplicable. And God's love can intervene in ways we can explain, and it can intervene in ways we can never explain. Do you believe in miracles? 
Amen. Have you experienced miracles? Amen. Do you think God still intervenes into people's lives in a way that define natural and logical explanation? Absolutely. Absolutely he does. Absolutely he does. Miracles are a gift of the Holy Spirit. In fact, Paul talks about miracles as one of the nine gifts that we should eagerly desire. In 1 Corinthians 12, let's read that together. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one of the the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is a gift through the Spirit of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. And I know what you're thinking. You said we all have faith. You do. We've all been given a measure of faith, right? We, we compared it to a mustard seed. This isn't like mountain-moving faith. This is like you can move the entire range of a mountain, right? This is extra special faith for an extra special situation. It's, it's a gift. It's an additional portion. All right. To another, gifts of healing. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. To still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Just as he determines. These are incredible gifts meant for the church, but do we as a church eagerly, eagerly desire to show God's love through these greater things? Because greater is desiring the gifts of God so earnestly, so readily, that the Holy Spirit could utilize any one of them in you at any time because you're ready. How do we get ready? Do you want to get ready? How do we get ready? God wants us to remove our restrictions and raise our expectations in how and when he moves through us. He's waiting on us to remove our restrictions and raise our expectations in who he is and in what he can do. And when we do this, when we do this, when we remove our restrictions, we become sensitive to his leading. And when we raise our expectations, we become willing to partner in the thing that he's leading us to do. So maybe you'll be standing there in the grocery store and you're getting cereal, and all of a sudden, you find yourself noticing someone who is hurting and you can't help but approach them with compassion. Or maybe God gives you a word of wisdom for someone. You're minding your own business. You hear a word for someone and you got to call them on the phone and say, the Lord just told me something amazing for you. Or maybe you walk up to someone who's in pain and you touch their back and you pray and the pain goes like that. God is moving like that. God moves like that, and he can move through you like that. Um, I'm sure you've seen this classic uh, moment from The Matrix, the movie The Matrix, um, where Keanu Reeves, he really needs to fight the bad guys. And so uh, the computer program, if you've never seen The Matrix, you have no idea what I'm talking about. 
the computer program downloads all the martial arts files into his brain. And then Keanu wakes up from the download and he says, I know Kung Fu. I know Kung Fu. Some of us, I think some of us think the gifts of the Spirit work like that. Like, like we're going to get randomly picked from, from, by God for a heavenly download. And then we're going to wake up and be experts in one of the nine gifts. We know healing. Right? Or maybe you think, maybe you think, it's more like being in the scouts, like a boy scout or a girl scout. I just got to find my troop leader. I got to work real hard. And I'm going to earn all my patches with rigorous effort. Like, hi, I'm Rebecca. I enjoy building campfires. And I know all the different plants. And I've mastered the gift of knowledge. And I'm working on my miracles badge. Right? Friends, the gifts are not badges to wear. They are encounters to share. The gifts are encounters with God. The gifts are encounters with a loving God, and none of us own the gift. We don't own it. But if you're willing, if you're willing to partner with the Holy Spirit, and it's God's appointed time, he can manifest his love through you to powerfully intervene into someone's life. And he might use one of these really cool greater gifts to do it. And you know, I was thinking, I wrote, I wrote that. The Holy Spirit will use you in his appointed time. And then I thought of the time that Jesus said, it's not my appointed time, and he did the miracle anyway. Right? <laughs> Water into wine. His mom says, do the thing. And he says, woman, it's not my time to do the thing. And she said, do what he tells you to. What great faith. And why did he do it? He didn't do it because it was his appointed time. He did it because he loved his mother. He did it because of love. So guess what? God can do anything whenever he wants to. And you and God can partner together. And maybe there are some things that God will just do through you because you are believing. And he'll turn water into wine for you too. That's for somebody. I don't know who that's for. That's for somebody. All right, true or false, friends? There are nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. False. There are nine gifts of the Holy Spirit listed in 1 Corinthians 12. There are millions of gifts of the Holy Spirit. There are so many gifts of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit teaches, edifies, comforts, convicts. The Spirit of God ushers in peace, brings joy, gives hope, stirs our vision, strengthens us, equips us. And these gifts are given out of love, and all gifts, big or small, are by his Spirit. So here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to limit God to the nine, and I don't want you to forget these nine. Because they're many, and they're abundant, and they're available. Amen? So how do the greater gifts work? How do the greater gifts work? They work by the power of the Holy Spirit. Not your power. The power of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to do the thing. You don't have to, right? The only effort on your part is surrendering. You don't heal anybody. You don't bring a miracle. You don't bring the peace. You don't edify. The Holy Spirit brings those things. 
Why do they work? Why do the greater gifts work? Because God is love and love intervenes. Everybody say, love intervenes. A miracle is an example of one of the coolest expressions of God's love. It's just one of the ways. But isn't it one of the coolest ones? And God's love moves in countless ways, and we're not going to make the mistake of disregarding any of the ways that God can move. I want to challenge you to not restrict what God can do by what you've read or seen or experienced. Don't limit God to those things. Amen. I'm going to have um, the worship team to start to come up. I want, to, I want you to notice these woods and notice that door. I love, the, I love that door. It's, it's so bright and unexpected, and it's in the middle of this forest. And I want to ask you something. If you were walking in the woods and it was dark, and you suddenly came across a door like that, would you go through it or would you go around it? Would you choose the possibility of greater? Or would you choose the familiarity of lesser? Because there's a lot of comfort and a lot of familiarity in what we know. Do you know what lesser tells you? Lesser says, God, I can't hear your voice. I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. God, you don't really need me anyway. Find someone else to do the thing that you need done. You don't need me. Lesser says, I'm afraid of failing you, so I won't even try. Or you know know what Lesser actually is saying? Lesser says, what if I believe and nothing happens? What if I believe you, but it doesn't happen? Like I prayed it would. You know, Lesser is about Your inadequacy and greater is about his sufficiency. What God does through you is all him. It's all him. His strength is made perfect in your weakness. His grace is sufficient for you. He supplies all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. What the Lord does is beyond human capability because his love is unfailing love. Unfailing love. Do you know I'm believing for greater things? I'm believing for greater things. I believe my mom will be free of pulmonary fibrosis and walk without oxygen. I believe my son will be healed of Tourette's syndrome. I believe my father-in-law will be free of back, neck, and shoulder pain. I'm believing for greater things because I've seen great things. I'm believing for greater things. Are you believing for the greater things of God? Do you think that God can do what he says he can do? Do you think that the power of Jesus Christ is moving and that manifestations will come? I've seen them and they will continue to come. I believe they'll continue to come. And as God moves and brings more and more encounters, you know what? No one's going to give you the credit or me the credit because it has nothing to do with us and it has everything to do with the gospel. 
This is the gospel. You see, the greater things Jesus promised us, it's not gospel plus. See, this, this isn't a, an extra channel you can add. This isn't gospel plus, friends. This is not set aside for the privileged and the anointed few. There are no secret steps to a secret gospel. There is only the gospel. The gospel. And signs and wonders and manifestations are the gospel. Jesus and everything he taught us and everything he did and the greater things that he said are there are the gospel. And Jesus gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit who is ready to move and reveal the love of God in mighty ways in you and through you. Will you let him? We have one job. Let the Holy Spirit do his job. My job is to let the Holy Spirit do his job. You know, you may believe God can and does move, but are you ready for it to happen at the office on a Tuesday afternoon? Are you ready for it to happen on a Thursday when you're doing your laundry? Are you ready for it to happen when you're waiting in line at the DMV? Because the world around you, the people nearest you, are in desperate need of an encounter from God. They need an encounter from God. And you know it because you need an encounter from God. Greater is not about being a super Christian. It's about being a surrendered Christian. Greater is dwelling in the secret place of the Most High. Greater is taking your limits off of what God can and do through you. Greater is removing your restrictions and raising your expectations. Greater is releasing your faith to partner with the Holy Spirit. Greater is loving the unlovable, seeing the unseeable, and doing the unthinkable. Greater is signs and wonders and manifestations. Greater is bringing the lost and the broken closer to their Redeemer. Greater is making your request known to God and following his peace like it's your life map. Greater is your kingdom come, your will be done. Not, not your kingdom come, your will be done. Greater is your kingdom come. Lord, your will be done. Lord, I can ask and imagine and think of an awful lot, and I can say a prayer and believe for something, but if you've got something greater, if you've got something higher, because your thoughts are higher and your ways are higher, so your kingdom come and your will be done. And you know what else greater is? It's holding on to hope. And even if, even if it doesn't happen like you prayed, it is planting your feet on the truth that God is love. He is faithful. He is good. And he is our victory. He is our victory. We don't have to deny our reality. We get to trust God with our reality. We don't have to demand our way and no other way. We get to trust his ways are higher. No matter what is happening around you, the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Now, some of you, you may be brimming. You're brimming with expectation in the Lord. You've experienced his work time and time again, and you're ready to be filled with whatever he has for you next. And I say to you, expect greater. And then some of you maybe haven't felt his presence or experienced his move in a really long time. And when you hear talk of signs and wonders, it can make you feel pain and it makes you feel disillusioned. And to you, I say you are loved by a faithful God, regardless of unfaithful circumstances. 
And it's time for you to expect greater. Thank you for listening. Be sure to visit gchurch.net for more information about this podcast and other resources.